Dad Bod Rap Pod live from the Dad Bod Multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> Which Spider Man would you be Nate? Typecasting would say the the black and white fifties one, but I feel oh, that's no. not right. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't I, feel that's right. I am John Mulaney as Peter Porker, a hundred percent. Oh shit! Okay, oh, yeah, okay, okay. I would love to live in a cartoon. Ver- He's just the way he comes in is so funny. He's like. Shake my hand. It's wet because I just washed my hands for no other reason. He killed oh, it so hard in that. That was so, yeah. yeah. And or, you know, like Fat Schlubby Spider-Man played by Jake Johnson is also a possibility for me. <laughs> so it's it's kind of it's like dirt, either or. Spider-Man. Got you. Yeah, I would Got like you. to be a funny cartoon pig, but actually I'm more of like a kind of not that funny disgruntled human pig. <laughs> Middle-aged uh, Spider-Man. Um, yeah, also, I think typecasting to say that Dave would be the anime Spider-Man. <laughs> so I, I'm, uh, yeah, that's there's, hilarious. yeah, that's so fu- that's fucked up, babe. I know. Yeah. Come on. Sorry. It's 2018, dog. Yeah. Sensitive, dog. Sorry. Um, you can be Gwen. <laughs> Spider-Gwen as well. And Dave does have that kind of side shaved hair that, um, that was made popular in the film. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a stretch for me. As I said on this program before, I don't fuck with those type of movies. At all, but I'm um, tough and intellectual. <laughs> I, I hate fun and interestingness and like so, uh, only people Woody who Allen work films. for th- hundreds of hours to make animation. <laughs> I'm a fucking adult, but yeah. Um, so uh, Bill Maher over here, yeah. So uh, although not too cool to take my son, so uh, <laughs> took my son to see it and was like blown away at the the animation and not to too much spoiler alert, but. It, you know, it definitely throws us some hip hop, hip hop softballs. Hundred um, percent. In that movie, Marshall Ali is in it. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry is you know, in it. Uh, spoiler alert: We have a guest from Hieroglyphics on this episode. We could have asked him about Prince Ali. Oh, oh right. that's right. I didn't that's know we right. were going to take this tangent. Otherwise, like I, I, I've listened to that record. It's yeah. not terrible. No, 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 no. Yeah, um, so, rap. so yeah. Oscar. And he has an amazing voice, as totally. we all know. Uh, Oscar, has he won Oscar? Academy Award yeah. winner. He won an Academy uh, Award yeah. uh, for Moonlight. Very well deserved. And yeah, he won a course. Golden Globe last night yeah. for Green Book, which people are not really It was a piece of shit. That was a Green trash Book. movie. It's like a oh, Driving really? Miss Daisy mm-hmm. kind of. Driving Miss Did Daisy part two. No, but I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, the pictures look terrible. Totally. In anything that takes place in the in the kind of Jim Crow South that has hopeful music behind oh, it, hey. I'm never fucking watching that totally. shit ever. Um, but yeah, Marshall Ali uh, is spent some time in the in the Oakland area and was actually an MC um, with with some Hyro connections. So that that was a missed opportunity. I was just holding the comic book shit as a way for us to kind of build rapport because uh, <laughs> I talk long shit about comic books. Uh, movies anyway, yeah. but yeah, the Spider-Man multiverse shit. In, in addition, obviously, Brown Spider-Man. I'm gonna do that. It's fantastic yeah. the way yeah. they introduce Miles and just yeah. the whole like mythology of that, and finally seeing it on the sc- big screen with some yeah. representation. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. dope, dude. No, it 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 was dope. And uh, there's oh, what's the other guy? Uh, the dad, the paper boy is the dad. Yeah, yeah, Brian Tyree Henry. Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah, he, it's it's uh, yeah, it's just it's a great movie all around. Psychedelic. To where, um, man, you know, I if if you go down that road, that's that's many moons ago for me. But um, if you like to trip balls on 
on a flick, that would actually wow. be it. Um, okay. Yeah, you'll be in the theater with seven-year-olds, but you will be. <laughs> I'm putting that in my notes right now. Yeah, yeah, please, please do. Mushroom emoji. <laughs> Thumbs up. Mushroom emoji, emoji, spider emoji, book yeah. emoji. If you want to get into the multiverse yourself, um, I would suggest that. But what it did make me think about um, while I was in there was actually the 90s and being at the Spike and Mike's. Oh um, wow! Animation festival. I haven't heard that in so That's long, dude. Crazy, yeah, yeah. Man. It just gave me that um, that kind of feel. Not that anything was that dope at that time, but I just remember like the power. I was reconnected to the power of a cartoon. Sure, you know what I mean. The freedom of animation the freedom. and like the 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 boundless nature of people's imagination. Absolutely, and all seven thousand people that worked on that film. That's it's just it's incredible. So it it kind of took me back to a space in the nineties. Um, and we're in a weird 90s renaissance right now, which mm-hmm. I totally didn't see coming. I remember in the 90s being like, I don't understand which of these fashions will ever come back. We well, don't have fashions. Well, you're, windbreakers. You're, right. Uh, your jingo pants say otherwise, though. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, the pants width of the 90s has not really come back in. That hasn't hit? That's not um, hitting? Or the uh, visors, like the yes. rave, rave visors. Totally. Oh, Except for uh, John Gruden. People are not rocking <laughs> visors anymore. And, be... and a little bit DJ Shadow, right? Totally. totally. kind of never gave it up. I know. Is he on his way to a poker tournament? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so... very bright in here, but I need my head to breathe. <laughs> I'm just saying, some of us have hot heads. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's like a weird renaissance of of kind of this kind of 90s chic you know some of it's in the music some of it's in the fashion um that kids are rocking but i remember in the 90s there were like little callbacks to like the 60s and 70s so you're always about 20 years behind and basically you're re-exploring the shit that your parents were into right totally 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 and you know i mean humans just have you know two two legs and two arms you know i mean you can only (laughs) do so So many things right right but acid wash I, did, I don't know. I just think I think there's certain things that should stay kind of buried in a little time capsule of their time. Some girls can can rock a bash acid wash. What do they say? Uh, fashion changes, but style doesn't. Right. right. So mm. like if you have style mm. and you're rocking like a 90s look as like that's your look for the day, you probably look great. If you're mm-hmm. just like a dumbass and you're like a forever 21 told me I should wear this. Right. right. Urban Outfitters look not said, that yeah. great. You know Styles what I mean? Change, I style doesn't. Yes. Something like that. OK. OK. Um, I don't know. Uh, so the question for me is like, I I dabble in a little bit of streetwear. Like I follow right. some blogs, I right. buy some pieces occasionally. It's like, right. how far into '90s cosplay am I willing to go as a participant <laughs> cosplay. in the '90s? You oh, know what I mean? Shit. Like my cross color shit is not gonna fit, and I wouldn't wear it, and I didn't really keep it. But is that why like, the straps off your overalls? Right now? <laughs> is that the backward backwards overalls? I had this conversation with a friend of mine uh, over the holiday break. Uh, Extra butter, which is a uh, uh, sneaker boutique in New York that I visited when I was there and I follow all their shit on Instagram and they have amazing curation on shoes, uh, brought back Elise. Wow. So that, oh, not, not necessarily the shoes. I think those take longer to manufacture, but they have uh, some of the windbreakers and some of the like multicolored oh, like sweatshirts so and it was fucking dope. It's okay. kind of like the one you're rocking right now with the half zip. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, 
I'd wear that. Yeah. Like, I'd wear that right now. I would have killed someone to wear that in fifth grade. Totally. Um, I had, like, one outfit. It was basically, like, a rayon white shirt, uh, acid wash guess with one strap down and yeah, some police. And mm. I remember it was my birthday, and um, my grandma took me out for the day. We went shopping. We went to the movies. We went out to lunch. Sizzler. Hey. Very nice. classy. Off capital, baby. Yep. Hell yeah. And uh, <laughs> the, the dude who was at the grocery store when we were buying candy to go to the movies, also very classy. Uh, was like, dude, you look dope. Like you, like Ew. you know how to dress, and like that compliment has buoyed me, <laughs> fashion wise, for like probably like well, if I'm twelve, there twenty five years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know. I hope this doesn't offend any of you. The best thing that can happen in my life is a black guy tells me he likes my shoes. <laughs> like that to me. Well, that offends me. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's because you only have black shoes. It'll like literally. I'm like, I fucking won today. Like, yeah, 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 today's, totally. I, yeah. Everything I did worked. Yeah, you know yeah. what I it mean. Came, it came together. So yeah. It was like the adolescent version of that. It was like this cool. I didn't know the people who bagged groceries weren't cool then. Not that they are or aren't necessarily, but I've thought about that for. 25 years nice, and nice. so when they so, this blog i follow puts elise back out i'm kind of like i'm considering purchasing this yeah, elise for real. sweatshirt okay okay nice. I, I don't rock a lot of loud colors and it's very loud colored and i'm like well people get this reference but then i'll pay know, to man. see it this please kind of shit please that selfie I fucking that think about yeah yeah <laughs> selfie like, that when you do it we got, a, we got an ig now so. i know yeah <laughs> out. so if you want to see nate Finally have a reason to buy some elise <laughs> yeah rocking zips. lying green elise half zips yeah. uh hit up our our dad bod rap pod yeah instagram um feed i i think um there's just something there's something about it even pieces that were dope that I could never afford back then. Right. Um, yeah, there's just a, a, there's a, maybe it's a bitterness where I'm just like, mm. yeah, I couldn't afford mm. it back then. <laughs> I don't want it now. Uh, um, just because you could uh, never have Kanai. You're yeah, like not going to yeah, bring that back. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I, I always thought that was weird. I thought Carl Kanai, especially the, the metal plate. <laughs> line that he did where Nas was the model yes. was the coolest shit in the world totally. but it's like the metal plate was so heavy it like made your shirt like it made sense on the back pocket of jeans but like in the middle of a shirt how did, how did that like a weird place for a brass plate right how did it fare on the washer could you dry that shit was it like metallurgy it. I wouldn't was it risk like... it I would just like you know I don't know if you guys know this but uh, it's a thing with men's like selvage denim like you're not supposed to wash, wash it, it period. so you throw it in the freezer Shut the front door. You, can Are you serious? Fold it in a, kind of like a light fold so it doesn't crease, and put it in the freezer. And the freezer will kill the microorganisms that are causing the smell. Mm. That's that's how you care I, I properly about... for selvage denim. And you oh, could man. probably do that with your canai. But imagine how cold that metal plate would be. You gotta be careful and like defrost it before you put it back on. <laughs> Blow dryer on your chest. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> They were playing open chess back then, though, so that was... Seriously, dude. That was some protection, <laughs> <dog>. <laughs> What's up, eighth grader? Boom. Oh, man. So we've had uh, Elise's, Carl Kanai metal plates, open chest. Cross Colors made a brief appearance. Cross Colors made a brief appearance in our, so in our 90s, 90s intro. So yeah. the 90s, are, yeah, they're they're back all the way. Yeah. Um, the music of uh, your Joey Badasses, yes. your Action Bronsons, your yep. Griselda's is right. very 90s. Right. Yep. Uh, so it's it's a complete renaissance revival um, that's happening right now. Um, as I stated in a, in a previous episode, uh, this is the year of '90s nostalgia porn, uh, because it, or for hip hop anyway. I didn't realize it had spread to porn as well. It, 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 it has um, whatever you search, dog. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> 
because it was just me. Uh, VHS uh, porn days are coming back. No, um, you know what is, and this is lightly related. There's a very specific Instagram or maybe it's Snapchat. I'm not sure. Filter that puts the little numbers in like goldenrod, like the date, yeah, like the date line. Yeah. It's like the VCR filter, I think they call Ooh, it, and that's yeah. a whole '90s nostalgia oh, play thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't let them fool you, kids. That shit was what. When I when I'm watching fucking Netflix, I'm like, ah oh, man, remember rewinding shit and so we're we're in a better place, but um because we are the postmodern dad bods, we are gonna be doing a deep dive um on a lot of the dope records that came out in ninety four this year. So this season um is dedicated to a lot of dope records that came out in ninety four, eighty nine and the two dope records that came out in ninety nine. <laughs> uh, and so today we're kind of kicking that off with a, a full retrospective of Casual's Fear itself, uh released in nineteen ninety four, really groundbreaking West Coast hip hop record. Um in the formation of the backpack aesthetic. I think this was like the cementing of it. Um and so we have we have a, a dope guest that we are going to um, bring on to kind of fill in some of the gaps, some of the backstories, and then we're going to share our own recollections of Fear Itself and how dope it was right after these messages on the Dead Bod Rap Pod. Dad bod, rap pod, back on that ass, like 90s nostalgia. Um, <laughs> like canai plates. <laughs> like like frozen Carl canai plates. Like guest triangles. That's a Griselda <laughs> title right there, frozen totally. Carl canai plates. Um, <laughs> feel free, Westside. Ski mask. <laughs> um, so we, uh, we are going to talk about a um, landmark record that came out in 1994, Casuals Fear Itself. Um which in kind of the hyro succession of events, we had two Dell releases, um, and then we had Souls, and then mm-hmm. uh, Fear Itself came out not too long after right. Souls, 93 Jive, right? Yeah, all kind of in this, this jive thing. Um, I mean, I just it, it takes me back in the sense that that was so huge in a way that I think is hard to understand for folks totally. who weren't around in that era because you had this underground sound that we all loved that was on the largest platform Mm -hmm. um, in the business at that time. And that just seemed the hope that was surrounding that for everybody who was an underground MC was like, oh, shit, if Souls can get signed. Totally. They're on TV. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Their their video, when that hit CMC, Souls of Mischief 93 till we, you know, what they call now feeling seen. um, We were like, damn, we feel seen. And uh, for me, this fear itself, the the cassette maxi single of uh, <laughs> a thoughts for the thoughtful, and that's how it is. Uh, a cool friend of mine, she was cooler than me then. She's still cooler than me. My friend Charlene gave me the maxi single and was like, "Hey, have you heard of the skater rap?" Mm. And I was like, "Skater rap? Mm. That's that's an interesting." So I played it. You know, obviously I knew about Dell and Souls and all that kind of stuff, but. There was something about casual, man, right. where I was like the first 
thoughts of the thoughtful, the first, you know, whatever little thing, I was like, oh, I'm never giving this tape back. Right. <laughs> like, this, <laughs> this is, is mine now. now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So it it was just a, a, a huge record um, in this in this region. And we really, um, you know, shit, a lot of our hopes and dreams were wrapped up in, like, being the next uh, the next casual, the next souls. I feel too young to have felt any of that. I was like, I, this is so different from Kid and Play. I'm mm. enthralled. Yeah. I, like, am obsessed with this. I need to know everything right. about this. There are very few avenues for me to get information about this, mm-hmm. except for, like, staring at liner notes and, like, getting physical copies at, like, the warehouse right. tapes, then moving up to CDs. I wasn't thinking about buying records for many more years. Like, mm. I didn't have hopes and dreams. I was just trying to understand what I was hearing because I love totally. it. I've always been, like, wordy. I have, mm-hmm. like, had a big vocabulary and, like, really, like, obsessed with words. And so this is, like, the wordiest right. hip-hop. And it, for it to be from our area and to just, like, <laughs> kind of, like, help me expand my horizons. And I'm glad you brought up that kind of conundrum of this being the template for underground rap but being on a major label right. it's just fascinating and i didn't understand any of that back mm-hmm. then but now i'm kind of like there were some risky a and r's who like totally oh yeah totally were trying to break the mold right of right. what was acceptable at the time and like produce some of my favorite music totally. ever the sophia chang's the dante ross's you know say, it's yeah. like thank you yeah. guys you know yeah um, I for this for me, I mean, this album was like such a discernible difference. You know, it wasn't an Ice Cube record, it wasn't a Kid and Play record, mm-hmm. and it was some dudes who are like fucking rapping though. You know what I mean? Rapping, 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 rapping. You know, you can rap along with Ice Cube, but this this made you press rewind. You know what I mean? And um, Casual is able to be ultra lyrical and hard. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. definite standout. Yeah, I I felt like uh, with Fear itself, Casual kind of. Uh, asserted himself as this individual entity within mm-hmm. within the hieroclick number one it was really my first understanding that this is a whole thing right there was dell and you kind of we heard some rumblings like the 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 tape of burnt was kind of making the rounds right. after um no need for alarm came out and there was this like really uh you know frenzy to like oh you have a copy of burnt like mm-hmm. let's you know I let me let me dub having, it having to dub things that's yeah like, yeah such a I weird know. thing to think it's kind of yeah. like when you're saying like rewinding sucks yeah. like <laughs> ha- basing your cultural knowledge off of a copy of a copy of a copy really totally. sucks. yeah totally. and, and to give you an idea of like how that sounded go to a copy machine and make a copy of a copy totally. of a copy totally. right and that's exactly how it sounded but of course when you don't know any better right it was the race was on and it was like okay well dell has these like kids that he's bringing in the right. souls of mischief right. and it was burnt and the taxi song mm. which were the Dude, that taxi song blew my mind when i heard it yeah, yeah. which cap were fair. Yeah, cap fair, fair right. which were um which were kind of these sought after things but in a way casual kind of comes out and leapfrogs it in a way that he's fear itself i think he presents himself as more polished Mm-hmm. Um, the songwriting is to me a little bit stronger than what is on the the first Souls record, and it just it was a different mm-hmm. look. Mm-hmm. You know, they were obviously from the right. same lineage, same kind of crew, right. same f- frenetic energy. But I've always thought, and you guys used this on a on a previous episode, there was an elegance about Casual Spit. It wasn't like right so elegant uh, street up. though you know what yeah, I mean? yeah he yeah. was hard i mean he, he's the dude you know that's like wearing a um a white tank top and carrying mm-hmm. a chain you yeah, know yeah yeah but yeah doing lyrical shit you know yeah yeah just simply really an amazing um record it was out on a major label and this is like it was just a dreamy time totally. because we didn't know it then but 
we were in the post-chronic era, mm-hmm. and this was kind of the last hurrah for shit like this. <laughs> and I remember that, and we were like, why aren't they playing casual single on the radio? Right, right. Like, right. why, Why? you know, we were kind of, like, legit baffled, but, yeah. like, rap was fully making a sea change at that And this was, like, a major label release, uh, you know, professionally recorded, but it sounded muddy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. can you yeah. imagine what those fifth-generation dub tapes sounded like of yeah. Fear Itself? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I it, for me, it's my least listened to of the three major initial Hyro projects. Like mm, I'm obsessed really? with No Need for Alarm. That's a huge foundational record for me. And uh, Souls of Mischief was probably the most accessible. You had the four guys with all the different inflections mm. and styles, and it's kind of fun. And um, if you are from the Bay Area and you're of a certain age, ninety three till infinity is just like an all time anthem. Right. Sure. Just like sure. Um, and I'm you know I'm I don't know exactly why but it kind of now i can listen to it anew Mm. and it Mm. it hasn't i haven't burnt myself out on it in the same way that i have with some of the other releases i I think with casual like in the in the same way like red man always sounds like red man right casual sounds like casual that's a really good and it's sort of like never outdated you know yeah and and that's what i was gonna say is is um i think casuals work from that period it's aged the best i think so too um and again because he there was there was a he look. He's he's hyped. He's spitting battle rap, but there was like a smoothness to it that, and um, also because he was kind of like, I'm not going to use that high pitch regis- register, totally. Right. Which maybe on a future episode 749 we'll go into high pitch, <laughs> high pitch nasal rap, nasal um, all stars. Um, and he's he's fun to rap along with. Yes, yeah. you know he goes yes. on tuck, little tuck and rolls, and it's like you know yeah. you're on to the the beginning of the fifth bar. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, totally. there's if, for me he's like um, AC alone is in freestyle fellowship, mm. where wow. not only the most accessible but kind of the most um, there's a coolness. To mm-hmm. what he's doing, mm-hmm. like um, casual hitter. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, he got, yeah, he's, he's called he's called casual. Right. But yeah. I, I feel like great, like handle picking. Totally. Right? It's just like you know everything you need to know about this dude immediately. Right. Yes, There's, yes. It's like, and especially with with the way this album is laid out with the stark black, it's just like cool ass dude. His name is Casual. You mm-hmm. get the little high row thing and a little relief, and you're just like, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I want to know more about this. I want to listen to this. Mm-hmm. And he goes off on these songs, man. Yeah, dude, it's great. Yeah, it's it's a dope energy. And um, if you read uh, the amazing work of one Mr. David Ma, um, who did <laughs> was this five years ago that you did the? No, it was just about two years ago. Okay, it was two yeah, years yeah. ago. It was right before uh, one of the high row days. So um, there's an amazing article. We'll link to it on our on our Twitter um, that. Dave did an interview with with Casual and Domino um, about Fear itself, where you can get kind of some of the inside tidbits. But let's get into the the tracks. Like, what are the tracks that really stood out to you, Dave? Um, I'm gonna go with Thoughts of the Thoughtful. I mean, even yeah. as a kid, I was like, "What a great name," you know. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, let's let's peep it right now. Yep. Start with the boom. That's a sound from the stuff that we puff. It's magic, I'm dragging a folk to doom And still refrain from being bluff The tough gets snuff for being lame We men claim to be all that Call back, I'll get with And what I liked about it is that um, I think it, it, it it's like a good representation of the album, right? Great beat, s- sort of sinister And casual goes off, like nonchalantly And yeah. that's, pr- I mean, that's pretty much it It's not like it's a crazy storytelling rhyme You know what I mean? It's not even like a party anthem or anything. Dude just goes off, and it's just really sort of like 
sort of this. He's like the main. He's the mainstay of his album. If that yes. makes sense. Yes. Sure. You know and he I brings mean? in the guests tastefully, and he's got right. Saphir, and it's not just the other high row guys. Totally. So it's, it's just it's just a well crafted album. Mm-hmm. Um, my song that I'm gonna highlight here is Mio Mayo, and um, it's produced by Domino, who you're gonna hear from in a little bit. But um, I think what's interesting about this is there are three singles on this what is it 16 track album mm-hmm. um and they're all some of the best songs like it's just like they picked it right they picked mm-hmm. it right it's like mm-hmm. it's a and r'd properly it's yeah, like right. the rollout was good like it's yeah. just like it's weird to think about those things now right. i would never have thought about that then but three of the best songs are the singles and then you have like the a thoughts for the thoughtful which was the b-side, a b-side. yeah which Crazy. is just like yeah. so well chosen i could good remixes too nerd out and go for a remix off one of the 12s but i i just really like mio mayo it's just like a it's a fun song that has substance to it and it's got a great beat and here's a little piece of it. The coming of the new overlord I I be the boy within the man so why try I never need it count I never want it count I feel I exceeded the skills need I'm rough with the stuff That's my pick. What about you, D? Um I'm going to call an audible here uh based on something Dave said. And also because there's anecdotes uh, attached to this. So there's a there's actually a skit interlude on Fear Itself called That Bullshit, mm-hmm. um, which for for many is the introduction of Saphir. And right. it's just Saphir rapping and kind of A-plus in the back doing these kind of ad-libs, shit-talking. Um, so let's listen to it for a little bit. I'm like crazy, like schizophrenic tenant number one when it comes to housing, arousing the intellect with intro. Flex on me. I don't think so yet, bitch. Bitch. My jetting is letting my exhaust. So this song is is notable for a couple reasons, and just give me give me a little space here. Give me a little space here. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna walk with me, talk with me. Um, so this song came out. It was our introduction to uh, Saphir the Saucy Nomad um, for for many of us. He had been out around on the underground scene before, but kind of his his coming out which was very, very generous of Casual to give him literally a slot mm-hmm. of like rap for a minute and a half on my album, Casual's not on this song. Um, so dope, the first line, Schizophrenic Tenant number one, was for us as MCs at that time, like your brain is leaking out of your ear. Um, mm-hmm. And his whole flow, the off-kilter thing, he had this kind of streetness to him, but this wild random style. So what ended up happening was because this is how rap is a lot of people were like that was the best song on the album he's better than casual mm-hmm. he's better than casual and that was actually the seed for the high high row hobo junction oh, right. which is Saphir's right. crew that was the seed for their whole little discord because mm-hmm. it kind of this momentum picked up behind it and i don't know how we all knew this because there was no fucking internet I don't know how a, a rumor or a, a zeitgeist got going back right. then, but it was it was real, and people, a lot of people were like, "Oh no, we're you know they, we're just waiting for Saphir's record. It was so much better," um, and so that was the seed that was planted um, for them to for the crews to eventually battle. But what really set it off was I went to a casual show, um, and this I guess this had to be 1994. It was AC Alone, Casual was one of the openers or like co-headliners. Um, super dope set. I, I got to AC alone. Disdainfully gave me a copy of um, 
of the first Project Blood record. Mm. Um, wow. We were like, AC alone, we rap. It's me and Trax a Million. AC alone, we <laughs> rap, and we really like your stuff, and we really want it. And he was like, dude, take the tape and wow. move on. <laughs> Get away from me. Move on, wow. children. Um, All balls don't bounce, but you guys <laughs> you, but, you know, <laughs> but y'all need to. Um, so so that happened. Um, my One of the crew from San Jose that I'm affiliated with, the Derelicts, performed that night. We were really excited. I remember getting off of work at Foot Locker and changing out of my ref uniform <laughs> into hip-hop shit and going to the show. Um, and so we're, we're at the show. Casual's on. He's doing his set. And everybody starts like, pss, 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 pss. and we look at the back of the room, and fucking Safir's in the room. Mm. And he's just kind of strolling through the crowd. And, and again, there's this kind of like energy around, hey, you know, there's this, this kind of beef brewing because of that bullshit. And... Lo and behold, he jumped on stage and they got into battling, which was the precursor to the Hyro high, high Hobo Junction battle oh, wow, that, okay. that happened on Chain Mill. It was at a place called the Crash Palace. Um, somebody posted that shit on Facebook like five years ago, and I wish I, I should have saved it. Crash the, Palace? The, the, <laughs> the, which was probably a club that's called something else now. Right. But That was the party. Maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't the venue. Okay. It's quite the venue name. Listen, yeah. I, <laughs> I want to go to the Crash Palace. No, no, I was eighteen. Uh, I think it was my first time actually going to a show in the city. Wow. So I was kind of like, uh, like wide eyed. Totally. Right. So they they got into this this epic back and forth battle, and at one point, Casuals rapping, and Safir's like, "Hold up, hold up, I stole your wallet," and he hands him his wallet For back. For real. For real. I swear to God, Traximillion can cooperate this. Damn. He stole his wallet on stage, and that was it. That was kind of like, oh, and like everybody lost their shit. Like, we like were, I can't call it. Stop I stole, rapping. Right, I right. stole your wallet. Wow. Pretty much. Wow. Pretty much. Um, and it was wow. it was just That's so. That's kind of a gimmick, but it's kind of brilliant, yeah, too, dude. Yeah. I would have lost my mind. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Totally. and we, we did. We were just like, oh, my, like melting <laughs> and so that was seven days later they went on um they went on cameo uh, oh wow and that yeah. that's where that battle came from right, right. right so and one day we'll do we'll do a deep dive but i will say like this the zapruder film of the uh... <laughs> absolutely it's all <laughs> slow motion back <laughs> and to the left yeah maybe we can get uh who, this is who, where Jonah... tajay's heart breaks yeah we'll get jonah hill on who's also an aficionado um and so what what I what I will say is this: I feel that the initial idea that Saphir had somehow um, upstaged Casual on his own album was misguided by mm. us at that time. I listen yeah, to yeah. it now. There's like an hour of amazing Casual rapping <laughs> totally, and like an hour totally. and a half of ostensibly Saphir talking shit, not yeah. even really, really right, rapping. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and 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 I we it was just tend so to think that's not true. It it was so new and it was such mm. a fresh voice that mm -hmm. we complete. It was a new sh kind of shiny thing. Yeah. Um, that we completely lost. But him on that album's like, un, you know, like unleashing this angst. Totally. You know? Yeah, for real, for real. And so I, I, I feel kind of, you know, I think my teenage self could have enjoyed Fear Itself more had we not got so... That's interesting. Uh, you know, so caught up in that narrative of mm -hmm. that beef. Mm -hmm. and it, and interesting. Again, again, I don't know. I'm fascinated because we all knew they were going to be on KML too. Without the internet, there's there is such a thing as literal word of mouth. Word of mouth, yeah. Before the internet, dude. Yeah, uh, yeah. I try to explain this to my son, and I'm like, "Well, we used to." And it sucked. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, yeah. The word of mouth is the only way that information really travels. But yeah. now we have different pathways, right. right? Yeah, but it was it was uh, it was a time. something you just said, just to jump in because we have now kind of not argued, but 
shared differing opinions on the movie Kicks. Remember that? Kicks. It's like a. Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, so I yeah. saw a movie over this weekend that really reminded me of that. It's called Slight. Hmm. Slight. It's, it's about, essentially, it's a kind of takes place in a hip hop ish world okay. where a dude uses sleight of hand magic as kind of his superpower. I've seen the trailer. I've it's seen the trailer. No way. Fascinating. And it reminded me of Kick so much. I want you to watch it and okay. see if you had a similar issue okay. with it. It's on HBO this month. I know you don't have HBO, but you know, you're going to be on a plane. See if it's on there. Okay. Um, <laughs> slight. Check, check it out. It's called it's Slight. Like slight. I want to say I've seen and the trailer. It's okay. interesting to me how it kind of is and is not a hip-hop movie. And if anyone else wants to talk to me about this, you can hit me up on Twitter uh, because these dudes have never seen this movie. But I just had to throw that out okay. there because it's like the whole wallet thing. It would make sense if you saw it, but try to check it out. Okay. All okay. Right? There it is. There yeah. it is. You yeah. come here for the music and you get the movies. That's that's what we magicians. do here. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Kinda. Lightweight. Yeah. Lightweight. It's fun. Um, David Rapperfield. Um, <laughs> so. A real lyrical miracle. Yeah. <laughs> 25 years hence, um, you want to hear some fucked up shit? Um, Earl Sweatshirt was born in 94. All right, dude. Yeah. Yeah. This program's so, over. And we're done. Grand <laughs> opening, grand closing. Jeez. Um, 25 years later, um, I feel like a good percentage of this still holds up. You know, there there's yeah, always yeah. going to be songs that are kind of like that was for the time. Yeah. But I feel like there's a decent amount of this that still holds up. Well, I have to say it's kind of cool. Sorry, Dave. No. Um, there's no like for the ladies song. There's no reggae song. Right, like there are right. a lot of the trappings of major label albums right. at that time because they had such a crystal clear vision mm -hmm. that they didn't have to fall into these traps so yeah. sorry yeah i don't even remember <laughs> <laughs> i'm still thinking of the magician dave, dave was like uh <laughs> I, re I really wish i had a reggae song <laughs> there's a like, snow collab <laughs> um they couldn't yeah. have got like escape to sing a hook that's <laughs> the problem they were on jive that's that's true yeah Damn. um and and maybe one day we'll do a whole deep dive on jive which is just so fucking fascinating totally. when you look at their roster and how it kind of evolved over the years. Jive was home to some of the biggest, most interesting, influential acts mm. in hip hop totally. for a period, and then Britney Spears. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like it's so. They yeah. had their creative time and they had their money making time. Yeah, so whoever absolutely. was running Jive. Hopefully, we'll was get doing uh, Dante right. Ross on here. And I would love to. Man, crazy that, insight. That uh, this is another kind of weird aside, but uh, now that I'm running our Instagram account for the pod, I'm following all these rappers and I'm like fascinated by the kind of content they put out. But one thing I saw that relates to what we're talking about is J live just released some sweatshirts where it's the jive logo, but it says J live and it's kind of cool. And I was like, damn, well that's kind of cool because even if they misread it and just like, think you have this like vintage jive record sweatshirt yes. you're already ahead of the game totally so uh, i thought that was actually pretty dope, pretty good uh, merch idea wow. dope iconography to play off of totally and it's sure. kind of like those old rave flyers where instead of like tied it would say like yeah of course yeah tour what well, right, 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 right. a good right. example but you guys know what i'm talking about <laughs> that's course, a whole like genre of graphic design yeah. gosh man the flyers of that era that's a whole nother maybe we have instagram so so we can post some flyers. In the garage, I have yeah, a lot same. of turntablism era like flyers and okay, stuff. Okay, same. Yeah. same. Kind of bust some of that stuff out. Old same. issues of the of the source double XL rap yeah, pages. Yeah. yeah, for real. Yeah. So um, you know, if you are uh, of age to have not experienced for yourself, I'd, I'd say it's it's worth a try. Not all the old school ones are right. Right. Not all all the old school ones are, but we uh, we. 
have a very special guest who can provide even more insight than my my one story that I have about that time. Good story. Bro. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been sitting on that one all season one. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> when are we gonna talk about Iroh? The, um, wallet, the wallet story. Like, yeah. That's the, the wallet yeah. freestyle story. Yeah. The wallet freestyle story. We gotta that, recreate that. That's pretty that. much all I got. Um, but uh, we have uh, someone who was inter- integrally involved in the creation of Fear itself, and that's Domino. Uh, producer for High Row, um, as well as a uh, label manager, because manager, yep. he was one of the older cats in the crew at that time. Um, Board game, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> he's he's very much uh, um, a student of the game, real crate digger, real um, cool cat who just really gave us some some dope insights on how it all came together, what those sessions were like. Um, so without me spoiling it and stepping on it, here is our interview with Domino from Hieroglyphics. All right, so Dad Bod Rap Pod, we are back. We have um, another dope guest with us from the legendary Hieroglyphics crew. Um, he's really one of the primary sound architects to the entire Hiero sound, um, as well as is playing a manager role for for a lot of the the cats in the click. Please welcome to the program Domino. How's it going, man? Hey, how you doing? How you guys doing? Good, 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 man. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the program. Can you believe it's been twenty five years since Fear Itself dropped? <laughs> uh, you know, I can believe it because you know now on social media, everyone has an anniversary from every mm-hmm. hip hop record that ever made, and so I was aware of the twenty first, twenty second, twenty third <laughs> anniversaries. <laughs> and so it isn't like it used to be. You know, like I you know, even even albums that I care less about, people are like seven. Seven years ago, this album came out, you know, and so I, I, I've kind of been, I've been properly led up to this moment. So okay, that's why I'm not, I'm not surprised. <laughs> okay, well, we we just we want to break it down and kind of full disclosure. I know you you've had some conversations with Dave. We're all of the relative same age. Uh, Fear itself was such a huge record um, for the Bay Area rap scene. Um, at that time, can you talk a little bit about what was going on in the in the Bay at that time, rap wise, and and kind of how that fed into that album? Well, I mean, most of the stuff that was coming out of the Bay at that time, outside of you know underground, was you know mob music, you mm-hmm. know, for lack of a better term, but like you know, too short and you know stuff of that nature. Uh, you know, uh, I guess E40 was buzzing already, and you know, there was a lot of stuff. But for the most part, uh, that was the, the just of the scene. There wasn't a whole lot of lyrical stuff happening out of the Bay at the time, at least not as far as stuff that had been released. And so, mm. I think um, I think that the, what, what made the difference, I think, is that I think that everyone in Hyro, including myself, were kind of listening to a wide range of hip-hop, not just stuck on what was coming out of the day, although we were aware of all that. Too. And so did you feel like, because at 
you know, I'm an MC. I know rappers um, are definitely competitive. Was there any kind of edge to where, you know, maybe you're listening to the stuff from the East Coast and going like, we can do this. We can do this better. Was that any of the ethos? And if so, what were those records that were kind of pushing you guys? Well, I mean, I don't know if, it, if, if anyone felt they were in competition. I think, I think the main thing was feeling like we can put Oakland on the map for being lyrical. Mm. And I definitely think that those cats were, um, you know, feeling that they were as good as anyone else that was out. Was out. And I think that, you know, Hyro in general was, you know, it was a, it was a bunch of MCs, a collective of, you know, it still is, you know, a, a, a lot of dope MCs. And so I think that, you know, when I came into the fold, like I didn't grow up with them. Like most of the guys in Hyro grew up together. Mm. I met them through Dante Ross, who had signed uh, Dell to Electra. Mm. So he introduced me to, to them. And, and so like I, I kind of got into the fold kind of around the time that I wish my brother George was here. Had, it wasn't out yet, but it was it had already been recorded. And that's kind of when I met Hyro. And, and, you know, I think that, what I noticed was a bunch of real competitive MCs among themselves. And so mm-hmm. every time that I came and hung out with them, it was like them just freestyling among each other. And I don't know if it was battling per se, but it was just kind of like, and I, and I, you know, there was just kind of back and forth stuff. And I always remember when they were doing demos, there was a lot of, um, you know, you know, like someone would do a song and then there was a lot of like, oh man, you, you guys have got to come tight, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like you listen to that. And so I think that the main inspiration was each other for a, for a long time. At least, you know, to my notice. And as far as records, I mean, you know, we were listening to a, a lot of a wide range. And even myself, like, you know, I kind of was more a little bit more in the East Coast hip hop than, than a lot of the West Coast stuff. And so I was, you know, I was listening to, you know, Tribe Called Quest and De La, of course, and Public Enemy and then DOC, I guess he's West Coast. But, you know, like, I was, I was, I was open, you know, like, I think because we were from the West Coast and, and there wasn't, you know, how people from the East Coast had biases. We didn't because all we could listen to was stuff from other places. And so... You know, there wasn't. It was for me. It was just about whether it was dope or not. I really didn't have any. I mean, it didn't have anything to do with where you were from. And I think that was probably the case of um, the rest of the cats in Hyrule. And I think it was more about content. You know, I I, I I do recall that. You know, we you know we shunned stuff that we thought was whack. You know, or mm-hmm. MC that were whack. And that was kind of the that was the general theme around Hyrule at the time. Was just like, you know. We're dope, you know. <laughs> we can freestyle off the top, and we can, you know. And so, and, and it was every day. You know, it was like a non-stop kind of creative process you know, at the time. And so, um, that's what I. That's that, that's my. I recall of that era for sure. Um, Dom, there's kind of an urban legend uh, that you lived at or near Groove Merchant, Merchant during yeah. the making <laughs> of this album, or when you first kind of were around the guys can you just kind of set that straight like where did you where were you and like did you kind of use the store as a as a resource to find loops or can you just kind of tell that story yeah it, this kind of preceded me meeting them but i basically used to rent out the storeroom which is like basically the back it was, it was like a studio apartment but it was it was a it was like 
it was like a door that led to this apartment from the from the record store. And it so might have been two sides the of the door. <laughs> so pretty much, I lived. Wow. It had its own entrance yeah. around the side. I gotcha. But you know, like yeah, I was there every day, and so basically, wow. you know, I. The, the the owner at the time, Michael McFadden, and his wife uh, at the time, I forgot her name, but um, they used to, you know, you know, would open the door during the day, and I just stroll on in and check out everything. And every once in a while, they would, they would, you know, have me wash the store if they needed to do, you know. And so I, yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of stuff come in and out of there, man, wow. you know. Stuff that he, nowadays I'm like, damn, why didn't I grab copies of that? <laughs> like like 50 copies of Nathan Davis if Ooh. and you know like I was like it was just like a $500 record now if not more yes. and I you know there were 50 bucks and at that time I was like $50 like <laughs> nah just give me the reissue you know I'll just take the reissue and so you know like you know but yeah you know it was you know and at the time it was just it wasn't a whole lot of record stores like that you know like that just catered to the to soul and funk and jazz mainly you know it was like most used record stores were just everything right. you had to go to the jazz or the soul section but this was you know, like probably the first of its kind that was like that at least definitely in the bay area and probably in most of the country but and so yeah man it was just like i was learning you know they were he was playing great music every day and so it was just like i was just learning every day Every once in a while, you forget to lock the door, and I would like sneak in and like, you know, <laughs> take some records and sample them and put them back, you know. <laughs> and, and so, yeah. So that's so that's a true story that I, I definitely wow. lived in. Wow. in that's awesome. In, in Brew Merchant. Wow. Yeah, and this was like, but the thing is, is I hadn't met Hyro then, but I definitely okay. had a lot of the stuff that I ended up using on the early Hyro records wow. it was definitely grabbed there, and if not there from a couple of those Hay Street record stores up the street, you know, recycled records and hey. this, you know, and so, yeah, uh, so that is a true story. Wow. Hey, man, we want to uh, dive into uh, Fear Itself a little bit. And, um, you know, Casual's uh, debut single, uh, That's How It Is, is was actually produced by Dell. And, you know, you being mm-hmm. the main producer of the crew and Dell sort of being known as the as more of an MC, I wonder if you have any insight uh, on on Dell as a producer, you know Dell. Dell was very influential as as a producer on everyone else in Hyro mm. because I think in the beginning he was the only one who had equipment. Mm. Okay. And so like, you know, most of his he had an SP twelve hundred, and that's what he made that song on. And most of the most of the guys in Hyro A plus and and Casual and everybody. They, they didn't have equipment yet. And so it was basically Dell making a lot of the beats or A-plus going to Dell and, and using mm. Dell's equipment to make beats. Mm. And so, yeah, and so, you know, Dell Del, Del always has been kind of known more as lyricist, but he, he most definitely, uh, he definitely was doing a lot of producing at the time, particularly a lot of the demos, you know. Um, and then... And then, you know, everyone eventually got equipment. And I think everyone, you know, I think I want to say they got, um, you know, I, what was it? Not the ASR 10, but I think it was called the EPS. EPS. Like, what, before. Yeah. And, I think, and I think that was what Casual got and A-plus got, um, you know, after that. But, 
Yeah, Dell was highly influential because his 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 house was pretty much the the mecca where everyone went to hang out and do music at the time because he had the four track, he had the mm. sampler, you know. Mm. And then and so yeah, I mean he was an important part of he was influential across the board on everyone higher up for sure in the early days particularly. So everyone at that time they were relatively young, right? Like you're one of the elder states, statesmen of the crew. Um, and casual was 16, 17 when he kind of recorded a lot of the fear itself demos. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Because when he got signed, him and Tajay were the only guys that weren't 18. And so they had to get like court approval for the, <laughs> for the contract. They had to a go permission slip? <laughs> yeah. You know, like the, the I guess the court has to make sure that it's a fair deal before, you know, they can, you know, you can commit to sign with it. And so, yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone was fresh out of high school. In fact, in high school, like, mm-hmm. like burnt when they did burnt, they were in high school at the wow. time. Wow! And did that blow I remember you away? They were like, were you like, wow, who are these kids? Like, did that blow you away? Their their youth, or was that what? Kind of thing? You know, I don't recall ever being in shock that they were hell of young. I mean, I wasn't that much older than them. I was probably like three, four years. Let's see. I met them, I guess, in 90, 91, and so I was 20 or 21. And so it wasn't, mm-hmm. I, you know, I wasn't that much older, but I, I, I wasn't really tripping on their age. I just was really tripping on how talented they were, you know, like just how good they were, you know, as lyricists and and I just went from there. Like, I, I, I don't recall ever being like, and they're really young. Okay. It was kind of like, <laughs> you know, we, you know, I didn't see them as young guys. I mean, I guess, yeah, they were still in school, but I, you know, I was so fresh out that I wasn't, you know, it was just more like, wow, these guys are dope, you know, period. That's dope. So on, on Fear Itself, what really struck me about that record is the, the sample choices and the production, um, even at the time, I was like, Wow, this really sounds like Oakland. Like, there's kind of a a black exploitation vibe that goes through a, a lot of the joints. Was was that in, intentional? Were you trying to craft something like this is a a sonic representation of Oakland? Not not really. Okay. You know, I'm not from Oakland. I'm from San Francisco. Okay. And so, you know, I think it it what, what it really was happening is I was really in the funk wah wah pimp type of funk mm-hmm. uh, black exploitation. In fact. At the time, I would just buy any black exploitation record I could get my hands on, right? right? And so, and I was always a big fan of the wah-wah, you know, guitar sound. And so, I think that kind of, you know, and maybe, you know, who knows what, in, I'm not, I live close to Oakland, so it wasn't like, you know, I'm sure I was influenced in some respect, but I, I didn't, wasn't constantly saying this is the Oakland sound. I just personally was really in the funk. Mm. records at the time you know and if it's like i said p-funk style but more like you know wah-wah mm-hmm. some james brown but a lot of the you know exploitation i'm always a big fan always been a big fan of dramatic records like strings mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. drama and so that was all also in the in the in the black exploitation records or soundtrack records and so yeah, I don't. It wasn't conscious, at least not for me. Uh, the beats that I was making, that I was like, let's make it like Oakland Pimp. It just was what I was into at the time, and what was, you know, was I was loving, in, you know, at Group Merchant, you know, <laughs> and that was pretty much a lot of the stuff that I was grabbing when, 
when stuff would come in, you know. So 25 years later, what tracks stand out for you? What like which ones have really just stood the test of time for you? And you're like, this this still slaps like it did when we made it. Uh, shit, good question. Let me uh, I'm taking a look at the track record, but um, because <laughs> I mean I did a bunch of songs on that album, and so like you know the yeah. thing is is uh a lot of it is you know I changed you know like what I like then I I like more now you know yeah. I, or, or I don't like as much then you know like it switches. Let's see, um. Neil Miles, mm-hmm. I always liked. You know, I was really also in the stand-up bass at the time too, and so okay. I was just had a heavy stand-up bass. Um, let's see, uh, a lot of these. One thing about a lot of the stuff that made the album is a lot of the stuff was demoed beforehand. Like mm-hmm. I have demo versions of, and most of the stuff that see, because. When I first met Ira, I met Dell and A plus, right? And then I came and met everyone else. And I remember in particularly Casual really would call me more than anyone. Mm-hmm. Me and him would be on the phone a lot and, and, and he or maybe it'd be him and someone else on a three way call, but um and, and, and I was he'd be like, Play me another beat, like, you know, like so he, I remember him saying like he that oh man, you're gonna produce my whole record. I mean that was kind of what he was thinking at the time. So we, we kind of clicked early on that he was really digging the beats that I was making and he was way more aggressive to, you know, like, yo, I want that. Like, play me, you know, like I was playing the beats over the phone like night after night after night, you know, or samples or whatever. And so, um, yeah, and so like a lot of these were demoed. Like, like um, let's see, Follow the Funk was a, was a demo song. Who Was It On was originally produced by casual and then i you know i forgot he lost the disc and then i remade it for the record um um let's see uh losing the end was demoed um maybe thoughts of the thoughtful but i'm not sure i mean losing the end is one of my favorite ones that i did um that i like i listen to now and i'm like oh that's a dope beat um Thoughts of the thoughtful, but you know, it's not, there wasn't a whole lot to that. It was basically the main group from the Players Coffee joint, and then I just added, I think, a horn. That Gary Bart's And uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and then originally it wasn't a Gary Bart's horn. When we did the demo, it was a, a, a horn from Shack in Africa, but uh, there was a problem clearing the sample, and so I ended uh, up switching it to the Gary Bart's. Hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, and so, yeah, and so it was different. The demo was different. Um, yeah, but like the ones that I, once, one song that I really do like, but when I listen to it now, the drums kind of bug me is, um, is, uh, we got it like that. Mm-hmm. And I really like that sample and, and, and it, I, the drums are a little too twank, you know, too metallic, it makes them, you know, like I, I just, it's little producer things, and I'm yeah, like, damn, I yeah, wish yeah. I would have done that differently. You know what I mean? But that's a song that I really like. Um, you know, and like to me, like a lot of the songs that I like best are songs I didn't produce. You know, like right. like Get Off It, and um, and I didn't mean to. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, overall, man, it was it was a, it was a fun experience. You know. And so, like, those are the main ones. Those are the main songs that I, that I kind of dug most from that record. Right on. Uh, what do you think makes Casual unique as an MC? 
I think thing that always stood out to me about Casual that made him really good is that he had a a, a street edge to him, mm-hmm. and and but he was super lyrical, and he's he's a super super intelligent dude, right? Like right. Casual is one of the smartest people that I ever met, and 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 he's super versatile as far as you know things that he can do musically. And and you know and so and I and I used to say this when we were doing interviews for for this album and I and I and I would say Casual is hard but he's hip hop hard like Run DMC and EPMD were mm-hmm. like he was he was one of the last you know like hip hop started changing and and he, I always felt like he had that aura aura of like how I pictured Rakim and how I pictured EPMD to where they're just like a, a certain they weren't talking about shooting people really necessarily, but they just had a certain edge to them that made them just seem, you know, tough, you know? And, and, and so formidable, that's a good word, you know, like just, you know, not taking no shit type of, and I think casual had that going for him as well. You know, the thing about it was that he could write about anything and, um, and, you know, he, he could do some street stuff, but he could also do, you know, clever things like I didn't mean to. Right. Um, and, you know, and Losing the End is another one that's kind of has a lot of clever, you know, elements to it. And so, I, you know, so if, if you look at like Chain Minds or B-1000, mm-hmm. which they're kind of, the topics are a little bit street, but it's just done in a certain way that it's not just, you know, straight up thuggish it's just done in a clever way that that makes it you know a little bit more you know a little bit more in depth more depth to it you know right on right on then um you know one of my favorite cuts on on the album is who's it on um featuring pep love and Mm -hmm. dell um they they both Mm -hmm. rip it um i want to ask you you know what what do you uh, remember about the making of that and the the construction of it um i think originally it was like a, a demo as well right yeah, it was a demo, and Casual did the demo. And, and, and the funny, ironically, we talked about Nathan Davis as a Nathan Davis sample. And so I believe that I used to take them to School Merchant too, and then I remember he got that, um, and they did a he sampled it. And then what happened was he couldn't find the disc, and I just basically had all the records, and I put them all together and added a few, added a few things that weren't in the demo, um, and, uh, and, you know, I think the raps are different. Um, I think the raps are all different than the original. I think it, mm-hmm. it's a little faster than the demo version, mm-hmm. but I just remember, I remember just being like, it, you know, I, you know how, when you make a song, you like it, you kind of want it, want to sound like the original version you like. Mm-hmm. So I always was like, it isn't like, and I, and I remember everyone in the crew felt like, it's tight, but it's not like the original, the original. you know? <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, you know how you get stuck on that and sitting with the version, you just feel like you can't get over. And and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, that's what I remember. And, 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 and who's it on? Like, who's it on? And the whole words from Dell's album and Limitations from Soul's album. That's a pretty good kind of picture of what Hyro was about as far as cats would just get on songs together mm-hmm. or just sit in ciphers and just kind of go back and forth. And so, and the who's it on, the who's it on hook was derived from one of those, you know, those, those sessions where they were just 
freestyling and then somebody just was like, who's it on, who's it on, who's it on? You know, it was just kind of like they made a song out of it. Yeah. And and so that kind of was very much how it was sitting in Dell's room with playing beats while they just were busting, you know. Were you a part of the uh, the recording sessions for Fear Itself when in Brooklyn? Is that what I is that correct? That there it was it was actually recorded like the demos were you took them to to Brooklyn and did the did the album there. We didn't we didn't do it in Brooklyn. Okay, okay. Damn it, internet. No. <laughs> Where was it? Recorded? No, that album was not done in Brooklyn at all. That album was done in, in High Street Studios in San Francisco. Ah, uh, okay, okay. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It was, how were those? How were those sessions? What was what was done in New York is we it was mixed in Manhattan at the uh, okay, Battery okay. Studios, which was Jive, but it was just mixed there. It wasn't nothing was created there at all. It was all done in, in San Francisco. The demos were done, you know, in, in basically in Casual's basement on a four track, and then we took we went into uh, High Street Studios in San Francisco and recorded it there. Kind of in conjunction with those doing 90 and Dell doing No Needle for Alarm. Those, yeah. those albums are, were made similar to how the old jazz CTI records are made, where it was like the same players, mm, <laughs> you know, working on them all, but there was just a different lead, you know? And so basically, you know, it was like Grover Washington Jr. with Bob J. Grover Washington Jr. album had Bob James on right. keys and Hubert Laws on flute and Idris Muhammad on drums or whatever, you know. And, and, you know, um, and then, you know, the, 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 and then you had a Bob James record with Idris Muhammad on drums and Hubert <laughs> right. Laws on flute, you know what I mean? There was, and Hubert Laws record, you know, it was kind of right. a lot of that going. And so that's what it reminds me of. It was very similar to that. So it was almost interchangeable and it were being done on different days, like on the same week, you know, it was like switching off. And, and so, you know, it was kind of all in one, one little window, you know. A lot Man. of great music being made at that time. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. El Domino, we really appreciate you coming on, um, talking about fear itself. We here on the dead bod rap pod, we don't celebrate the off years. <laughs> um, so we waited right, until until the 25th um we really appreciate you coming on do you have anything coming up you want to plug for our nah, listeners you know, just um yeah you know i'm just you know making tracks and dell are doing some stuff together and so that's probably the next thing that'll see the the light of day you know whenever whenever we get around to finishing it but okay that's kind of one of the things that i'm working on mostly okay you know, working close with dell Word. That's dope, man. Well, hey, keep doing what you're doing, and we re- re- really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, fam. Oh, man, thanks for having me, man. It's always good to talk about hip-hop. Good hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it, man. Thank you. Peace. All right. Peace. Yeah, guys, peace. Dad bod rap pod um thanks again to to domino 
just great stories, man. I know. Fucking Unbelievable. Th- that Groove Merchant shit <sighs> blows my fucking mind, dude. That's so cool. Yeah. Like, especially in that era. I mean, Cool Chris is, like, the coolest guy in the world, but the, like, early, early right. days when it was the mm-hmm. ubiquity guy running mm-hmm. it and just, like, Jeez. the records that were available back then, yeah. like, to live in, essentially, inside the best record yeah. store in the world I picture him and like, be a hip-hop producer is just, like, so fucking tight. He's, like, Scrooge McDuck diving into a pile of money, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, a pile of records. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, <laughs> Dope Royer samples. And, I know. Yeah. David Strata East. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. I, I was blown away by that. So we, we thank him for coming on and, and giving us some insight on Fear Itself. Uh, we are the Dad Bot Rap Pod. We are 52 fucking episodes deep, and we finally got an Instagram account. <laughs> um, so Marketing geniuses. <laughs> all day, all day. Strike while the iron's hot. So uh, on Instagram, we are... Dad Bot Rap Pod. And... All spelled out, all lowercase. All lowercase. Um, That's pretty much all our stuff. Yeah. 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 And you can connect with us, obviously, on Twitter, Dad Bod Rap Pod. And if you like to argue about Azealia Banks, <laughs> hot, hot and heavy time right now. It won't be by the time this comes out, but that's um, what's big I, in our Twitter world right I, now. I hope not. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Um, if, if that's still going in two weeks, we will have gone viral. That's good. Is, is that what, is that the equals viral? I, I think like. Tens of thousands of impressions is viral. Okay. Yeah. Our, okay. Our, our, uh, Ours is our a common cold right like now. <laughs> yeah. 60, 70. Yeah. We ain't influenza yet, but yeah. but we're we're getting there. Um, like, drop the SoundCloud, Damon. Drop the SoundCloud. SoundCloud. <laughs> Dad Bod Rap Pod on SoundCloud. Shit, what other platforms? We're on YouTube. YouTube as we well. We've got a YouTube channel we're working on. Yeah. It's it's a little bit in development, but there's some episodes up there and so, you know, we are here, man. Yeah, we got our tentacles out there, so twenty nineteen, yeah. fuck with us. Yeah, please do uh engage with us. We got more dope episodes, more dope guests coming up in the near future. It's the Dad Bod Rap Pod.